We've won again. This is good. But what is best in life? The open step. Fleet horns. Falcons at your wrist. And the wind in your hair. Wrong! Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of their women. That is good. That is good. Welcome to Twitch of the Death Nerve, a cult movie podcast that takes a deep dive into a different topic each episode. Our wide-ranging discussions will touch on genre, culture, and the history of psychotronic cinema. I'm Charles. I'm Sam. And I've mentioned this affliction that I occasionally suffer from in the past. It's sort of a uh, writer's block for couch potatoes. I, uh, I was just endlessly scrolling, streaming movies going through terabytes of porn and exploitation movies on my hard drive and there's just nothing to watch just like lost you know and then i put on conan the barbarian and the world made sense again everything clicked and i was i was watching every sword and sorcery movie i can get my hands on and i can't think of a better person to come on the show and talk to us about sword and sorcery movies than our dear friend michael DeFrancesco. Thank you. Michael's a fellow member of the Philadelphia Psychotronic Film Society, a musician, co-director of an upcoming shot-on-video movie with the wonderful title, A Corpse for Christmas, and is probably the only person in the world that I know who has seen more movies than Sam. So I'm super stoked to have you on. And is maybe the only person, I think you missed one or two, but since I started having themed marathons in, oh, and the cats caught something. I started having theme marathons in like 2016, 2017, and I didn't really know Michael, but was like, you should come to my house and watch movies. And I think you're, you've come to more than anyone consistently. I feel like, uh, we were kind of acquaintances and then, um. Once you realized that I was also obsessed with Uli Lomel. You were and like, with okay, Fassbender's film Whitey, I was person, like, oh, we're friends now. <laughs> this person's now allowed <laughs> at my house. Yeah, I love those kinds of like handshake movies where when you find out someone's seen a movie and loves it, you're like, oh, okay, we're, we're, we're on the same, same level here. All right, so I guess we can uh, dive into things. Uh, ultimately, this episode's going to focus on our favorite sword and sorcery fantasy movies. Uh, but I feel like we kind of got to define a few terms there are like a million subgenres within the fantasy genre, but I'm curious, what would you guys say makes a fantasy film a fantasy film? I mean, to kick things off, for me, it's an inclusion of fantastical elements. So anything from mythology, folk tales, any kind of use of magic or non human non-currently existing that we know of creatures like you know you could throw in everything from gnomes and elves and orcs to i just realized none of the movies that i've watched in the last week have gnomes in them what a crime (laughs) i don't know for some reason my brain just now when i was thinking like how do you actually define fantasy david the gnome popped into my head what's david the gnome wait Okay, so you two are the same age, I know and David I'm the Rock. I'm older than you, which maybe you don't know about David the Gnome. But David the Gnome was a beloved cartoon for anyone who grew up in the '80s. He's this little gnome named David who has a pet fox, 
named Swift, I think. Well, I'm really wow, this, you're my in brain. the mind palace right now. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but <laughs> David the Gnome was amazing when I was like five or six. Yes, of how fantasy like <laughs> we don't have dwarves in Canada, only gnomes. <laughs> only gnomes. Dwarves are too scary for Canadians. Yeah, uh, it's it's such a wide range of things because I feel like it often makes people think of kids shows and kids movies, but there's so much adult fantasy stuff too. Yeah, I feel like that adult stuff definitely creeped in way more in the '80s. Before that, it had like more of a swashbuckling, family-friendly sort of side to it. But Michael, how would you? describe the fantasy genre broadly well i mean i think uh you know even though some of the films are definitely like r-rated or x-rated or completely movies for adults uh i think like, there's always kind of like a sense of like childlike wonder there's always a kind of dreamlike quality or some sort of uh you know at times they can be realistic a lot of times there's like war and you know a lot of like you know violent barbaric stuff happening but there's also like a, a what if and there's yeah. sort of a, you never know what's going to be around the next corner kind of thing. Lots of happily ever after in fantasy and lots of characters that come from archetypes. Yeah. Well, I guess what I'm curious about is sort of like what is the difference between fantasy and science fiction? Because growing up when I first really got I, I hated fantasy growing up. I thought it was like baby shit. Which is scandalous. To I know, me. I know. I was really into science <laughs> fiction and whenever I went to a bookstore and they had uh they had the fantasy and the sci-fi like glommed together, it like I was like pissed off. I had yeah. to like go through all this bullshit like Robert Howard crap, you know, to get to the, uh, who the, helped bring us here for this discussion? Yeah, he really, really it's did. like how horror and thriller get thrown in the same section, yeah, totally. and it's like, yeah, it's sometimes like horrors have thriller elements and thrillers have horror elements for sure. But there's a lot that are like, you know, you wouldn't want to lump in the same category. Absolutely, and I absolutely. feel like with science fiction and fantasy, there is crossover, but then there's things that like this isn't fantasy. And yeah, then there's things like this is science fiction. Yeah, and I think probably the biggest one that is so hard to figure out what it is, even though everyone universally assumes it's science fiction, is Star Wars. Which I mean, it's you know a princess is in trouble, an evil wizard. Yeah, and they got swords, but they light up in this one, and they have like fantastical creatures, but they just call them aliens or what yeah. have you. But it's really just a classic fantasy story with you know sci-fi aesthetics on top of it mm -hmm. yeah and i feel like that's such a great example because to me fantasy is fundamentally about two things one is escapism and the other one is again going back to these archetypes that have been with us for thousands of years through things like myth whereas sci-fi like true sci-fi to me is exemplified by things like star trek where it's like really imagining a different way to function as a human society it's not about escapism yeah it's really about even though you might think oh, oh this is like a, a story about aliens it's about like real you know social issues and stuff like that where a fantasy movie is probably going to be more about the journey yeah and you know, snakes than the, me the message yeah all of the <laughs> fantasy movies that i watched in the last week that i like didn't like 
were the ones that tried to have a message. Like there was one where they were like, oh, it's about the corruption of the church and state. And it's like, oh, fucking come on, man. Like, give me the dragon again. That's what I'm fucking here for. I just want to see people get eaten by dragons, which actually I feel like this. Well, the dragon represents the church. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like this real fantasy bender started because over winter we were bored and we couldn't find anything we wanted to watch and so we watched game of thrones yeah. all the way through and i now can't stop watching and reading fantasy yeah. i mean that's why i i had my stupid couch potato writer's block intro is because when i don't know what to watch and like nothing is exciting me it's it's fantasy and science fiction that i always turn to it's the and those are the two genres that i feel are like just the most like unique and ridiculous and you never know what you're going to get with them. Mm-hmm. And or in a way, I, I think the interesting thing about a lot of the movies we're probably going to talk about today is they take this really comfortable, predictable framework, this like hero's journey. There's probably going to be a dragon or some sort of monster. There's going to be an evil yeah, I, king or I, I an take evil back wizard. what I said where No, 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 but but the best part about these movies is when it throws unpredictable shit at you and you're like, "Oh my god, yes. this guy has a bow and arrow, but it's a freaking laser beam." Oh god, you love to see it. You really <laughs> fucking do. Oh, so if Star Wars does it, it's not cool. But if Lucio Fulci does it, <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, you know, you're not fucking wrong. <laughs> no, but I mean, I grew up watching both Star Wars and Star Trek, and I was obsessed with Darth Vader. Well, Chewbacca also had a laser. That was a crossbow, though. It wasn't, it wasn't a ball. That's true. It yeah. wasn't a bow and arrow. <laughs> Chewbacca. And they kind of had little Chewies in uh, Conquest as well. Those little fucking yeah, dog a lot things. Of, a lot yeah. of hair. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll get there, I'm sure. Uh, before we do get into the real real heart of the show, I kind of wanted to look at some of the movies that really kind of kicked off the genre. Not really kicked off the genre, but because they were like mainstays. They were making fantasy movies, you know, as soon as they started making movies. I mean, like Trip to the Fucking Moon. Yeah. Well, it's not called Trip to the Fucking Moon. It's called Trip to the Moon. <laughs> I feel like that might count as sci-fi. That was the that was the original title, Trip Trip to the <laughs> Trip fucking Moon. to the Fucking Moon. <laughs> no, it's the, the the moon's got like a face on it and stuff, and they're like doing like weird mystical stuff to get well, they there. They are like and, wizards, right? Yeah, they're like yeah. wizards. Kind of a fantasy movie. It's Trip to the Moon. See, that's where the it sci-fi. Became, f- it became a reality, though. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it did. <laughs> all all because George Melies suggested it was possible. <laughs> He he inspired the space race. But I guess, I mean, I know, so there are these like really, really early examples of, of fantasy films, but it wasn't until maybe the late 30s, early 40s, I guess it's still pretty early. Well, where it, Fritz Lang. Yeah, the, the Nimble Lungen. Yeah, which is the 20s with dragons and all kinds of crazy practical effects. And oh. he, he started everything. He really did. The Dragon, that movie looks great. It does. I think, I think that's one of Ken Russell's favorite movies. Yeah, say. it's incredible. And it's a two-part movie. For anyone who hasn't seen it, Kino Lorber put out this great box set of all of Long's restored, not, not lost, silent films that's in there. And it's just like watching through the whole set. It's like, oh, here's the beginning of every single genre. Yeah. But it's great fantasy. But it's like... Because it's based on German myths, it's like much more dark and kind of dour than yeah. some of the fantasy movies that we love. How come those guys never have any fun? They do have fun. I guess. Just, 
<laughs> well, they weren't really having a good time in the 20s. This yeah. is true. Yeah. Or the 30s or 40s mm-hmm. or 50s, yeah, one Ger- could argue. German, Germans had it rough for a while there. But I feel like it's the fucking Italians who really took the fantasy genre and went just running with it. And this also kind of gets to my first like deviation is I know they made a lot of like Greek myth movies. Greek and Roman myths, yeah. Yeah, those are fantasy, right? You would put that in the fantasy... Totally, and that's honestly where I think a lot of modern fantasy literature and cinema has its roots is because the Romans were, you know, spread throughout Europe and parts of Asia, Greek and Roman mythology, and Roman mythology is based heavily on Greek mythology. A lot of the time, they just literally rename the gods, and it's like, the same story and that is the foundation of a lot of this Damn, they're always doing remakes they're always doing remakes always they're rebooting the gods before they folks. were even italians they were doing remakes <laughs> and the, the, definitely definitely a lot of norse mythology creeps up too yeah. there's probably yeah. more more greek and roman stuff but there's definitely a good deal of, of norse stuff going on yeah but that like strongman movie was so fucking popular and was popular everywhere yeah did, and did the first hercules the steve reeves movie did that really like kind of no they were doing it way like way before then too it was um What's the guy's name? I always forget it, Sam. It's it's the Italian guy. Machiste. Like, Machiste. Machiste. He was in like fucking so many movies. He was this character that, I mean, they weren't all fantasy movies, but he was like a strong man like Hercules. And some of them later got retitled as as Hercules movies. Mm-hmm. Samson. And, as Samson movies. Samson, yeah, Samson and Goliath. Yeah. yeah they yeah, love yeah. just retitling. It was like, all right. Yeah. It, it, it reminds me of the later horror movie shit where it's like, let's just call every single one a zombie sequel. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like Evil Dead all, 5. They're all Hercules sequels yeah, or yeah. Samson sequels. Yeah, it's like, this one's about birds. Whatever. It's called zombies. <laughs> <laughs> zombie 5. <laughs> yeah. And I love like, like some of the Santo movies when they came to the US are like, oh, people like Samson movies, don't they? Let's just fucking call this Samson versus the fucking mummy or whatever. Well, I yeah, which is m- how I first heard of them. <laughs> I haven't seen too much of the Machiste, but it kind of gives me like a, a Santo kind of vibe. Yeah, definitely. Like, we'll, we'll just put him in any, like whatever whatever script comes around, we're going to inject him into it. Yep. The one I want to see the most is like Machiste in Hell or something. And I'm just imagining it's going to be like Hercules in the Haunted World or something. It's not. Not as good as Hercules in the Haunted World, well, nothing but really it, is. that's true. But it is Ricardo Freda, who Bava worked with uh, yeah. very early in his career. So it has sort of a similar feel, but it's like not as exciting as you want it to be. In the days of Imperial Rome, under the Emperor Caesar Vitellius, when luxury, magnificence, and depravity were at their peak, a man endowed with amazing physical strength and indomitable courage suddenly makes his appearance. He courageously baffles the plans of an ambitious man whose sole object is to satisfy his blind thirst for power. Who is this man who dares defy Rome and its emperor? Machiste, the gladiator of Sparta. Chinachita Studios started in the early 30s by fucking Mussolini. He wanted to... Well, his family was really big into yeah. the importance of cinema. And it wasn't just for propaganda films which i mean they obviously did but it was also because they just wanted to have this vibrant film culture and they wanted to have like you know you know money going in the arts and show like oh hell how capable the fascists are of you know supporting the arts and being in this which to me is such an italian thing because like if you compare italian fascism to other kinds from the same period they really were just like 
super lax about what people could put in movies. They were like, maybe if a little bit could be propaganda, that would be cool. But like Roberto Rossellini was given his first opportunities as a director because of the Mussolini family. And one of he wasn't making pro state movies. No, I mean, one of his movies is about the Royal Navy. One of his very first movies is about the Royal Navy. But for the most part, they were just like, like you said, trying to say, hey, we're an important country with this robust cultural institution. And the studios that they built were these like huge, like Roman and Greek looking like stadiums and like Colosseum recreations and like Sistine Chapel, like recreation things. And like so many movies were shot there. American movies too. Some of the best films in history were made yeah, there. Ben-Hur was shot there. I don't know if that's one of the best films in history. I never but saw it. But it's one, one of the most lavish yeah, at that yeah. time. <laughs> I mean, even, even a lot of the 80s Charles Band movies were in uh, Chinesita. No. Yeah. Yeah. How did Charles Band, this, I mean, Wait. this is a question for a different day. No, probably, no, 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 but no, no, How no. did Charles Band like, make so many things happen in chinachita <laughs> studios really yeah yeah um robot chocks the wow. dungeon master you, Holy al- shit. you also have to understand chinachita were just like giants of the film industry in the 50s 60s 70s but when the italian economy started to go on the decline so did the film studio and so i think by the 80s they were like anybody who wants to fucking rent this place yeah, like give here. us some money yeah, i think it was generally cheaper than renting similar studio space in hollywood but they you know where whereas in hollywood i'm sure some of the technology and stuff was better at Chinesita, some of the sound stages were literally bigger. So there's a lot of things. Yeah. Even there's even movies from the '90s and 2000s where they shot certain sequences in Italy because wow. they needed a big. Yeah, for some reason in my head, it was just this like old forgotten relic that like didn't get used after these peplum movies yeah. were. A oh thing. no, I mean, and then there's like, like Pinewood Fellini, Studios. Yeah, like. Pinewood in England is the other big one where all the Hammer films and Bond films are shot. But like. Fellini was made most of his movies there. Godard shot Contempt there in the sixties. Oh. It, it like is one of the biggest film studios in the world. Wow. In, still, in, in my head, it was just this like farm for peplum movies, <laughs> like a backlot. No, yeah, well, yeah, it's, yeah. it's 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 actually funny that that's what occurred to you because it's very similar to the Shaw Brothers studio lots where like. They created all of these gorgeous period sets to make kung fu movies, which I think have some parallels, sort of, like those historical settings and the warriors. But because it was such a lavish, huge space, so many other things started to get shot there. Wow. Yeah. Very, very important place in cinema history. Okay. Because I just said the word peplum, which is a great word. uh, Oh, yeah. We should probably... Okay, so peplum movies, in my mind, this is how I've always thought of them after I I learned that term, because I always called those movies sword and sandal movies. Correct. And so peplum movies are just sword and sandal movies, sort of. Yes. None of the sorcery. Yeah, none of the sorcery, all of the sandals, baby. (laughs) I mean, I think you can... A little bit of sorcery. Yeah, you can definitely find some sword and sandal movies, and peplum is just the Italian word for that subgenre. The plural is pepla. I think because it focuses so much more on these like period set guy with abs that are all oiled up. He's wearing a loincloth. He's wearing sandals. Probably he's got a sword. 
And like sometimes there are fantasy and sorcery elements, but like the main focus is the sword fighting and like yeah. this big beefcake going to rescue people. <laughs> it's a great story arc. Really, it and is. It, and it is really the foundation of sword and sorcery for sure. I mean, we wouldn't really have Conan in the same way because like obviously Conan comes from the Robert Howard stories, which are also foundation for the subgenre but i feel like this image that people have of this like big muscle-bound guy and how popular that was especially for like b-movie fair i think you're totally dead on like without the popularity of those sword and sandal movies you wouldn't have gotten the sword and sorcery boom it was like people who grew up watching those in the 50s were like what if we made that now but with laser beams okay. and dragons i i was confused i thought peplum i didn't realize that it was just kind of italian specific kind of like uh like i used to just call like italian slashers italian slashers and I'm like oh another called giallo movies <laughs> michael and i are both like no that's not right they're not they're called spaghetti slashers spaghetti whatever <laughs> no, no 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 i mean a, a giallo isn't necessarily a slasher yeah there's crossover it's sort of like what michael was saying earlier about the difference between a horror and a thriller like some giallo movies especially as you get into the 80s really start to feel more like slasher movies but because giallo giallo is a way much more specific subgenre than peplum well what about uh like italian crime movies poliziotteschi but like uh aren't they just italian crime movies no because they have a pretty so the thing that makes Poliziotteschi so specific is that they are all referencing what's known as the years of lead in Italian history and almost all of the movies. It's not just like Scarface or some some American crime movie where you just have these crime tropes. They are 98 percent of the time about this cop or criminal who comes up against this widespread conspiracy that's at the very heart of the Italian government and so there's all this government corruption stuff baked in there okay. that's well, very period well, specific. But what I was trying to get at is can you call like the Ray Harryhausen movies peplum movies like like the Sinbad movies and like Jason and the Argonauts and that kind of shit? Not if you want to be totally accurate i i don't want to sound dumb that's why i'm asking no, you no i, I, mean, I, I, I they, they share a lot of themes yeah yeah and imagery but i think you know the peplum you know you you call them sword and sandal movies okay but great you, you can't okay, okay. yeah gotcha so th those terms are not just they're one not to mutually one. yeah gotcha, like it, gotcha, it, gotcha. it's kind of like j horror saying j horror like yeah, it it does just mean Japanese horror movie, but it's also like it a kind specific of became its own of, genre. Yeah, and a specific like era too. Yeah, yes, you know? to and it's totally the same thing yeah. where peplum films are almost always about a certain type of character in a certain type of setting, whereas the Harryhausen movies certainly borrow from Greek myth. But they go way more into fantasy. Yeah, I love those movies. They're they're I great. love them so much. I honestly haven't really rewatched too many of them since i was a kid but i loved them growing up yeah and i kind of feel like the last gasp of those movies was clash of the titans in 1981 because to me that doesn't feel like the sword and sorcery movies from the 80s it feels like a relic 
from the you know what about the 2000s clash of the titans oh that's an well it's it's not as good as what about as it wrath of the titans i was trying to make a joke it didn't land <laughs> much like that movie itself no it's a fucking hit they made a sequel oh my god i saw it in 3d with my dad and we almost we were like should we leave i need your help for gods not humans you will learn someday that being half human Makes you stronger than a god. I, I think uh, you know, not to not to keep talking about Empire Pictures and Charles Band. No, although, I've had it. Although you know, they pretty much always do that. But uh, um, David Allen is a special effects guy who did tons of '80s movies. He's kind of an, uh, an expert on like models and stop motion. So he was taking like the Harryhausen style. You know, if he had more money, he would have been like making it better, but he was just sort of bringing it into the yeah. 80s. But some of that stuff is so impressive. It like, really is. I don't know why I keep talking about Robot Jocks, but Robot Jocks <laughs> has like, you know, some amazing Harryhausen like stop yeah. motion. I mean, a lot of those, like in the 80s, that was the time when fucking, if a movie was a minor hit, there's a fucking hundred more coming in the wake from every single studio. Everyone's getting, you know, into the waters. And, you know, obviously, like, Robot Jocks, that's, like, a post-apocalyptic one. And a lot of those do have fantasy crossover vibes. And, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure we're probably going to get more into that later. But, uh, I, I mean, Cozy, Luigi Cozy, he was like, hey, guys, stop motion still exists. And yeah. Everyone's like, no, we're not doing that anymore. He's like, no, we're doing it. Yeah, I think it's great when it shows up in movies. I, I really do. It makes me sad to talk about because... That great stop motion stuff, it's like, I wish that that emphasis on stop motion and practical effects is what we were still doing rather than all this fucking CGI. I know, I know. I mean, you know, people people need to learn how to blend them both, but yeah. blend, them, blend them together better, you know, because yeah. I feel like so many things are just, it's like, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll just do CGI. It's like, no, you should, it's okay if you like add some stuff in yeah the CGI, like, like the fucking like the, the computery laser beams from the 80s and all these movies that shit's great it's that's so like funny. the best but, but so good i mean i feel like something like lord of the rings does that where it's a combination of in-camera effects practical mm -hmm. effects some, honestly some everything great they're, matte they're, paintings yeah, yeah they threw yeah, it all at the I, wall yeah and some cgi but uh to kind of transition to the 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 real conversation here. I'm so excited to talk about fucking Conquest and Sorceress and... Sword and the Sorcerer. Oh my God, they're such great movies. Well, Sword and the Sorcerer is a good jump off point. Um, Albert Pion, the great... We, we love him, R.I.P. He was like some like young pipsqueak going to every fucking studio with his Sword and the Sorcerer script. He, is a he was a tiny man. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And he was. Uh, and he was shopping around his Sword and the Sorcerer script and no one fucking wanted it. They're like, listen, we want Star Wars stuff. That's like all we're trying to do because the studios didn't realize that Star Wars was a fantasy movie. I mean, they were just kind of doing like Star Crash shit. Yeah, and, you like, know, we need something in space with a lot of brass. You know? I mean, I feel like there are plenty of Star Wars fans now who don't realize that Star Wars is a fantasy well, of course. movie, which is mm -hmm. a path that we don't have to go down. Right yes. Now. But, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, he couldn't get the movie made and it was John Borman's Excalibur that was like such a huge hit that then everyone's like, okay, what do you got? Who every script that like ever came across their desk are like, okay, we're making this, yeah. we're making that. Oh, this and has a dragon in it. It's greenlit. Yeah. We're we're doing it. We're doing it. And Sword and the Sorcerer, Pion's first movie, which is really impressive. It like it doesn't feel like 
<laughs> it's it's better than a lot of his later movies. It feels like it doesn't I mean, feel like a first movie. By no, any. no, no. It's, it's, and it has so many great effects in it. Like, was it you who said parts of it feel like Hellraiser? No, Michael, Michael. did. Yeah, it's like fucking Uncle Frank coming yeah, out of the yeah. floorboards I mean, you're and like shit. Two minutes into the movie, Ugh. and you're like, okay, now there's this like skinless guy who's yeah. like threatening us. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's it, parts of it are scary. Yeah, it's really nice to look at. You got Richard Lynch's face, which you can set your watch to. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if you ask me what makes a fantasy movie, it's Richard having, having Richard Lynch in your yeah. movie. Yeah. Oh my gosh! But wait, can we talk about Excalibur for for one second? Because this is my first time watching it, and I loved it. For me. I love a lot of things about it. I'm frustrated by plenty of things. Like I grew up reading a lot of fantasy novels based on the Arthurian mythos and like the story and the stories contained in that are incredible. And I feel like they still haven't been done justice in cinema. Like we've had to suffer through things like first night with Sean Connery. I don't know if you've I was seen I was that. trying to refrain from mentioning that movie because I love it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I haven't seen it. I've so seen like, Black Knight. Richard Gere, Lancelot Fuckboy movie. Yeah, it's it's really something. But to me, I think the Arthurian movies are even their own subgenre because they have such a specific focus on this kind of clash between Christian and pagan forces in the British Isles in like very, very early medieval era. But Excalibur, I think, is such a great example of a Borman movie because he has such an unusual, like fundamentally fantastical way of looking at cinema. And so he just like throws all this great stuff in there. It doesn't always work. Or like from a script perspective, I don't think it always works. I think, yeah, what I liked about it was that it was just stuffed with plot and characters and it didn't really take the time to introduce you to them. It just kind of like thrust you into this world, into this like crazy shit that was going on. The one problem that I had was that there would be times where it felt like nothing was happening for 15 minutes and then all of a sudden like everything is happening at once for like the next like 10 minutes and it's just it kind of like made my head spin a little bit but also the I liked that about it too it it was a great example of I mean I kind of like to split a lot of these 80s sword and sorcery movies into two camps uh, and basically the camps are uh big budget and little budget you know that, that those are what differentiates you know the movies and of the big budget ones, like they're stinkers in both camps for sure. Sure. But like the big budget ones, this and Conan are kind of the two standout stars, like the shining examples of like what the genre is capable of. And as like a mission statement for all of like the little budget ones. Yeah. And I, I think some of the treatment of wizards and magic in Excalibur went on to influence a lot of things to follow, like like Willow and shit like that, like some of the bigger budget things. Yeah. I was tempted to rewatch Willow this week because it's, I it's I need, great. I haven't seen this since I was a kid. Same. I need to revisit yeah. it. Oh, another movie I really, really I didn't get around to watching this, but I've always hated it. I've never liked this movie. And I feel like now that I'm in like fantasy brain and everything, I'm like, I'm cooking right now. I want to watch The Dark Crystal. 
It's insane to me how that did you... you never. How did you not like the Dark Crystal? I don't know. When I was a kid, it was just like dumb puppet shit, and it was like slow. I've never heard anyone say that. But you also didn't like Conan as a kid, right? No. So yeah, Conan the Barbarian. Well, I was a dumbass kid, obviously. If you can, you know, well, if you didn't anything. like fantasy, then well, Conan the Barbarian. I saw five minutes of it on TV, and it was like obviously censored. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this movie's dumb. <laughs> this you movie know? has no titties. This is, this is no good. You know, I, I didn't like it, and also. I feel like when I was a kid, I liked R-rated movies that felt like they were for grown-ups because it was like I was transgressing and I was watching this R-rated movie. And a lot of the R-rated fantasy movies are basically for 13-year-olds. And yeah. when I was 13, I was like, oh, I don't like this shit. This is for kids, you know? And they, yeah, there's titties in it, but it like these are children's titties. These aren't for me a uh, worldly 13 year old you know what i mean and now that i'm a grown-up the it's last like the heavy metal magazine stuff yeah yeah but like yeah and now that i'm i'm, I'm grown i'm like i don't want to watch this like fancy grown-up crap with like these professional titties i want fantasy yeah, titties, yeah, yeah. you know which just hit totally different which is funny because i read mythology and fantasy as a kid for the complete opposite reason like the first adult book i read was this compendium of greek mythology which involves in every section somebody's getting raped and turned into a tree and like has their head cut off and like i was reading the adult when, version when i said i was i wanted to watch adult stuff i meant like stephen king movies <laughs> sure no, I, I don't mean like actually, no yeah, but you mean speed no but i very vividly remember that feeling of like i don't want dumb kid stuff because i'm not yeah. a dumb kid yeah and like that's kind of why i shunned fantasy for the longest time and now that i'm i'm receptive to it it's just it's so nice to have this like huge genre of stuff that is i don't know it's 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 such a nice feeling and i feel like fantasy itself is not it's not a subgenre. Like usually on the show, we're like getting in the nitty gritty on like a subgenre that's like really unique and weird. Where fantasy is just so broad. It's a lifestyle. It's. A, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got something to say, you know. What do you think this is all about? You think this is a fucking costume? This is a way of life. <laughs> this is there a costume. Are <laughs> there are plenty of people who would agree with you. Which also, I think, maybe kind of goes back to your feeling as a kid. Like I think a lot of mainstream adults didn't take fantasy as a as a genre seriously because it's so associated with kids movies and like D&D &D until Game of Thrones came out and they were like oh shit people are having sex and being naked and decapitated and set on fire by dragons I'm like the only person who hasn't seen Game of I watched like one episode and I was like no I don't think you no. would like it actually <laughs> It's like it just feels like TV it's it is like, I know I like things that are that are like soapy it has to be the right kind of soapy it's like it it feels like yeah it's like general hospital meets lord of the rings i i made Definitely. fun of my parents cuz they were watching it before i uh i boarded the game of thrones train and uh, I remember making fun of them every time it was on. I'm like, oh, you're watching Lord of the Rings with boobies, aren't you? Like, like, and that was my joke. That was booby of the rings. Yeah. yeah, I didn't like it at first either. And I read the first couple books and was like, okay, this is not holding my attention. But So I don't know what happened yeah, this time I, around. I had to get into like a terrible motorcycle accident and be bedridden for like two months from like, okay, I'll watch, I'll watch Game of Thrones. I finally, you know? I finally have time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wanted to ask you, Michael, because I know you went uh you went down some some holes this week. Uh, what what movies did you watch? What'd you watch? 
so I, I revisited some movies that I that I thought were a bit underrated. And then I watched some movies that I assumed were going to be like crap. You know, just like I just I watched some kind of like the, the ones that, you know, not the Conan, the Barbarians, yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the ones that were made on like a 20, a 20th of the budget. So, yeah, right here I got in front of me a VHS copy of Warrior Queen. <laughs> like a lot of these other uh sword and sorcery movies it what? has it has some very glorious baris vallejo artwork yeah what's the tagline on there they, they probably paid baris vallejo more to do the painting than they you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, untamed passion untold power for some reason it's not it's not even sybil danning's likeness on the front of it she's she's, no. the, she's the titular the, warrior, the titular warrior warrior queen what's the um, synopsis it it takes place uh, in Pompeii right before the right before Mount Vesuvius, um, and it's uh, it's all about buying and trading slaves. So it's basically like here's some slave trade, oh, and here's some like, sexy stuff. Yes, yeah, uh, now, now Sybil Danning's beating up the you know the, the slave traders, and then you know you know what's going to happen at the end, and it's it's yep. stock footage of volcanoes. <laughs> But no, it's amazing. But it's 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 starring Sybil Danning, who's the warrior queen. Is that say Donald Pleasance? Donald Pleasance is supposed to be like a senator or the emperor or something. A and senator he's like, or an emperor, you know, either yeah, I one. I, I, for, I forget <laughs> what. Is, yeah. Well, I mean, if it's like Star Wars, yeah, well, maybe whatever, he starts as a senator I mean, and then becomes the emperor. Whatever government was in Rome in seventy nine A.D. Who knows, senator. <laughs> But yeah, he's like, he's, he's like, and there's like some funny scenes with him. He's like, you know, he's, he's like bragging to some girl about this vineyard that he has. And then like some other guys like at the party, he's like, oh, well, can you give me some wine? And, and he, to the waiter, he's like, give him the cheap stuff. <laughs> it's crazy how like the more movies I see with Donald Pleasance in it, the more I realize that like Dr. Loomis is one of his most boring roles. Oh. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he's great Truly. in it. And like the scene where he's like whispering like, hey, Lonnie, get the fuck out. I don't know. What Lonnie, saying. move your ass. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrific. But like seeing him with like flies buzzing on his face in that gross Australian movie. Wake and fright. Oh, yeah, He's yeah, yeah, so yeah. scary. Oh, also, even like uh, speaking of bad 80s movies that I love, even something like American Rickshaw, where he plays this like corrupt politician. I, didn't realize he was in that. I still haven't seen it. Oh my god. Then I won't spoil the Yo, ending for anyone who hasn't seen it, but he similarly he plays this like evil politician who attempts to use Chinese black magic to like take mm, over wow. the world. I'm and so glad <laughs> that Donald Pleasant's in a sword and sorcery movie. Oh, I'm fucking watching yeah, that so, later. And, and, and it's uh it's a breezy 69 minutes long. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so th- that's the one thing that I noticed <laughs> because I-, I usually have this like rule where it's like okay, if I'm watching three movies in a day, like they got to each be 90 minutes or less, and I realized that with the sword and sorcery movies, any one of them that's over 100 minutes is usually pretty good. And all the ones that are like under 90, it's like, yo, we are we're trying our best, yeah. folks. We're doing we're doing whatever we can. We gave you, know? you guys seventy minutes. Is that good enough? <laughs> yeah, seventy nine. Let's go. Journey now to an age undreamed of, an age of mystery and magic, of swords and sorcery, on a planet lit by twin suns. Evil warlords battle to control the fate of an entire dynasty. I fucking loved Conan the Barbarian. It was so good. I had no idea that uh, 
Sandal Bergman is so amazing. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> William Smith is Arnold Schwarzenegger's father. No, Hell no, no, yeah. No, no, that's not what I'm thinking of. James Earl Jones yeah, plays no. Tulsa Doom. Oh, oh you, had, you had no idea his hair was that gorgeous? Or <laughs> that he turns into a giant fucking snake and okay. it, the effects look amazing. They're incredible. All the snake shit is so fucking good. The one snake mm. fight in like that basement dungeon thing is so good. Like, honestly, I was watching it trying to figure out how they did it and I like, I, I couldn't figure it out. It was so, so good. Oh, that movie looks incredible. But James... E- e- every penny was... Yeah, on the used screen. Used to great effect. And James Earl Jones, I don't know why... I mean, I know he does the, the voice of Darth Vader, which is like, you know, the most famous villain of all time. But I never think of the guy as a villain, you know? Like, when I think... Yeah. When, I, when I look at him, I see, like, you know, the blind guy at the end of the Sandlot, you know? Mm-hmm. That, that, that's... I, I see him spitting tomatoes. What's that from? Oh, in Exorcist, Exorcist 2. 2. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, like the a jaguar comes out or something? On the wings of Pazuzu. Oh, man. Uh, but, but now, like, seeing him in this, he was scary. And he was yeah. so intimidating. Yeah, can you imagine, like, showing up to work and it's like, okay, you have to be scary next to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it's and like, he... Uh, how do I do that? <laughs> and he fucking did it. I am the wellspring from which you flow. When I am gone, you will have never been. What will your world be without me? My son. My son. Well, honestly, just one of my favorite movies, like in general, is the Luigi Cozy Hercules movie. It's just there's something so magical. I mean, there's something magical about like every Luigi Cozy movie that I've seen. But Hercules is just uh, Luigi Cozy just likes to throw every trick he's got into whatever movie he's making. Yeah. Or into space. Yeah. He throws (laughs) throws stuff into space, too. But you can tell that he's like obsessed with like Wizard of Oz and that he's obsessed with like silent films where you know they had to do a bit more trickery camera yeah. trickery and stuff one of the reasons why i avoided that movie was because from what i understood luigi cozy wanted to make kind of like a more sleazy you know titties out sword and sorcery flick and it's pretty uh, yeah, it's pretty pg there's definitely well lou yeah. ferrigno was like I'm a man for the children, or I don't know what he sounds like, but you know he's got a stronger well, let's voice. Let's pretend that that's what Lou Ferrigno sounds <laughs> it's like. Kind of like. Like a guy in an alley. Yeah. It reminded me of what's his name, who's in the the amazing Italian genie movie. Oh, Bud Spencer. It, yes, Yo. you just did a Bud Spencer okay. voice. Well, <laughs> that's something. One of the of. one of the movies I was watching this week. This week there was a dude who looked. He looked like Bud Spencer, but bigger somehow. But, uh, <laughs> actually, I think it was. Uh, it might have been the Conan TV show. Actually, which yeah. I can't believe they're. Which we'll probably. We'll, I think we should wait. Wait a little bit to talk about. No, the Conan fuck TV it. Show. We're here now. What's the Conan TV show? You know, obviously sword and sorcery movies were in in the 80s they kind of like by 87 they kind of like fizzled off but then you know kevin sorbo's hercules happened in the 90s and and xena warrior princess thank you um respect to xena but listen hercules came first and (laughs) and uh, she was a character in hercules first before she got her own spinoff show but her show was better so okay so so sam raimi produced the hercules show um and then a bunch of people were cashing in, like, "Okay, sword and sorcery's back." Like, let's, and, but now it's on TV. Um, <laughs> it's back. 
so there's uh so like 96 97 they're like okay let's now now there's a new tarzan show with joe lara oh now there's a new Beastmaster show yeah there were so Um, many we were talking about this the other day because i brought up the fact that there's a a a crow tv show it was like in the 90s they turned anything they thought could make a profit into a fucking tv show i surprisingly have not seen the crow tv show but i would watch that but yeah the the beastmaster tv show i forgot that it existed wasn't that a cartoon i think there might have been a cartoon as well but no is 1997 live action i know what you're talking about yeah 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 yeah. i've never seen that it looks like i saw a blip from it recently when i was like Um, digging in i watched i watched the pilot episode on tubi wow and it was it was fun to be honest like mark singer's really good but i've never been like obsessed with mark singer so i wasn't you don't like mark singer's face charles Uh, mark singer he's the beastmaster guy oh the movie yeah so I, I wasn't like, oh, no, it's a different beast. You know, I was fine with that. But, you know, there's cool bunch of cool animals. I think a, a woman gets like mauled by a panther in the first like 30 seconds uh, of the show. Is there like, a okay. tiger covered in black shoe polish again? So when we Which were, Charles wouldn't believe no, me. No, I didn't. So that we was were, a fake we were, panther. We were watching Beastmaster. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the greatest sword and sorcery yeah. movies Don ever Don Coscarelli made. is yeah. doing Phantasm in fucking Beastmaster world, in sword and sorcery world. And there's this fucking panther that shows up and it's like his little buddy travels around with his Beastmaster. Like, you know, he's like he's basically Dr. Doolittle with a sword and it's magical. It was like everything I wanted to be as a child. And there's this like fucking weird looking panther that you can see the stripes kind of like through the black. There are panthers. You were like, no, there are panthers that look like this. No, it's a fucking tiger that's been dyed black. Oh my gosh. And honestly, (laughs) it's so fucked up. Once you notice it, there are scenes where the tiger is drinking and you can see that it's like trying to lick the dye. Oh my god. And when you see his tongue, his tongue is black. (laughs) Okay. It's funny how like when we watch these movies, they'll like kill a fucking bird or a snake. And I don't bat an eye, but when I saw they painted that tiger, I was like, you scumbag motherfuckers. Like, where was and, PETA? <laughs> and where it is, is that it was Don Coscarelli's call that he like thought the tiger didn't look good. And he was like, we need to paint it. That's so fucking weird. Which is also weird because tigers, their heads are a different shape than panthers and they're bigger. So like if it you wanted a weird. panther, get a fucking panther. So one of my biggest pet peeves with more contemporary fantasy shows, Game of Thrones included, is acting with real animals obviously can be quite dangerous. And so they just put in these awful looking CGI animals. And in Beastmaster, no, that tiger's no. in like no, every he's walking scene. around. And there's like a little <laughs> kid. And I was reading that they had to have the kid like stand, you know, 100 feet away every time the tiger was on. And they look too delicious. Yeah. And they just had like a like a short lady, you know, like put her hair up when when they had to have the kid in the shot with the tiger. Have you seen the sequel? Uh, I have not seen three, but I, I've seen two. Two is the yeah. one I'm, I'm talking about. I, yeah. Beastmaster 2 has Wings Hauser in it. And they're in fucking like New York City or something. With, with it's, uh, are they, it's, it's they in L.A., right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like I want to see it so bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saving it. Wingshauser plays like a wizard or something, and, and he like is following someone. You know, someone went through a portal. And, oh, yeah. And, and he's like, we got to kill that person. So he goes through the portal, and it's just like, you know, they now go, they're they, in LA. They go, they go, they take him shopping, and, uh, you know, he's like, threatening to kill the people who it's, were you know he's it's like amazing. it's like I love trancers that, like, yeah. he says things oh. like my dear boy you know someone talks to wings house he's like listen my boy <laughs> oh man i want to see it so bad haven't you anything more befitting my station sir i assure you this is the finest virgin wool virgins 
My dear boy, from where I come from, the only thing a virgin is good for is sacrifice. Well, I have sacrificed a few in my time, too. If you were in my kingdom, I would slit you open and disembowel you. Uh, please, come this way, if you will, please. But yeah, that's um, this way. the Beastmaster 2 and Deathstalker 2 are written by Winorski. I didn't love the first Deathstalker. We watched it last night, and I kind of think the reason why I didn't love it is because earlier, like in the last, like the, the days leading up to then, I had watched Conquest, Lucio Fulci's Conquest. Greatest sword which, and sorcery movie of all time. To me, that one's the goat. That's the one that I give all the fucking also, flowers to. The score is Claudio Simonetti. So it's a Fulci movie, and he always worked with uh, Fabio Frizzi. And yeah. Claudio Simonetti like gets hired for this, and he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna outdo I am Fabio. Gonna fucking mm-hmm. Pull out all the stops. I'm gonna make this like. And I'm he, even gonna do a track that sounds like a Fabio Frizzi yeah, track. Yeah, it's it's really really good, and it's and even though half the movie you can't even see anything because they're either Greased filming up. no no they're filming the sun directly <laughs> with with uh with like a fog machine just blasting fog, and also he's deliberately turning it slightly out of focus. Focus. Yeah, that's it. Every everything has that kind of like Tinto brass cal- yes. Caligula, yeah. like yes. soft with, focus, but with and lens flares and fog machine. And I swear to God, some of the scenes there's Vaseline on the lens. Yeah, that's what people say that about Caligula. Too. But, yeah, but I think he knows when to put things in focus. Like every time there's like some fucking gates of hell, the beyond gore scene where like fucking boils are bursting over this guy's then, body. Then it actually focuses. Oh yeah, there's no fucking fog covering up no. this shit. He knows you, what you he's know, doing. You know, it's like... Oh, it's so good. It's what, so, so good. Whether he does it on purpose or not, you you made this comment when we were watching the movie. Like, he just loves filming scenes of gore. It oh makes him so happy. It, it does. You can tell, like, he'll like... Yeah, there's like a, a boil bursting on this guy and he just zooms in and it lets so it burst. Lovingly. Like, yes. It's just like, it's so, so nice. It's like when you can tell there's like a director who like you know like Tarantino who loves feet or like someone who like loves butts and they're just like Tinto Brass for example yeah <laughs> loves butts and 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 with he with, puts them on the poster art yeah he and with Fulci he just loves gross ass shit yeah. he's, he's oh such a nice guy but anyway the reason why I didn't love Deathstalker was because I watched Conquest and also uh I watched Sorceress which I completely undervalued going I, in. I'm so happy that you loved Sorceress because, oh, no, because I feel like this sort of goes back to what you said earlier about how there are two types of 80s sword and sorcery movies, the big budget ones and then the often dumber kind of inept low budget ones and Sorceress. It's just like in between, I feel yeah, like. It yeah, it kind of like strikes that balance where they're having fun with the movie. They don't need it to be some like serious fantasy production. They're like, all right, we got titties. We got some jokes. <laughs> we got some yeah, practical we got a, effects. We got a goat man. We but do like, have a goat oh, man. Oh yeah, he was great. But and I like, think they don't, I, he looks like he should have a human voice, but every time he's on screen, it's just like, meh. Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> and like earlier in the day, you posted on on your Instagram a scene from the movie, and I almost messaged you like, "Yo, what are you watching?" And then, like twenty minutes later, I put on Sorceress, and then the Goat Man show. I'm like, "Oh, dude, we're vibing. We're watching the same movie." There, there need to be more sword and sorcery movies with twins because it's oh, just yeah. it's yeah. They were especially what are the Playboy like, twins, Miria and Maria, or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like Mira and no. Mira and Mara. <laughs> 
innocent twins are given the secrets of sorcery and the martial arts to defend their lusty beauty. They seek revenge against the sorcerer and discover one must die. But there was this one moment where there's like this like side character hero guy who's like not the main twins, the sorceresses. Anyway, the bad guys catch him and they strip him. They strip him naked. This scene is fucking nuts. And they have this like extremely Philadelphia thing where they have a they have a greased pole. That's the Literally, first thing they show you. You don't you don't you, you don't, don't have any context. Anything. You, you just, just see like someone tied up in a greased pole and you're like, yes. what is gonna happen? The pole is greased, but it's like a, it's like a telephone pole. It's yeah, a thick pole. It's big. They stripped naked the uh the side character hero guy and they have him tied up so he's like straddling the pole and he's like and the pole is like sticking out of the ground yeah, like how someone would climb a, a palm tree yeah or a, or just a grease pole yeah. in philadelphia we, it's a tradition here but you know his hands are the, the rope is around the other side of the pole and then they they pan down and there in the ground sticking up just next to this grease pole is this like sharpened spear and he's just like slowly sliding down the pole and you can see that it's lined up like with his ass. So he's getting the fucking like cannibal Holocaust yeah, yeah. treatment. That's what it made me think of. Too. Oh, my gosh. And the whole scene is him having a conversation. He's like talking to his jailer, trying to talk his way out of it. I think the, the, the funny thing about that scene is when someone shows up to be like, OK, let's not kill him. He's still hanging on for dear life for another like for another like two minutes. Like they don't they don't like Just they don't rush. To, they don't rush to cut him down. You know, But Ugh. that's what I love so much about so many of these movies is it has this like combination of insane elements and there's always a scene where some character you love is put into a situation they could not survive if this was a realistic drama. And I mean, I feel like even some of the bigger budget studio ones, even like the ones I don't really love that much, like uh, Lady Hawk or... um, Dragon Slayer that has uh, the guy from Ghostbusters 2 in it. Dragon Slayer, I wish I liked Peter more McNichol. than I do. But each of those movies has at least one or two elements that make me want to say, like, yeah, if you like these movies, you should watch them. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, like like you were saying earlier with the, the stop motion stuff, there's great stop motion and puppeteer work in Dragon Slayer. It's so, so good. But, like, the plot about fucking, like, cor- like corrupt Christian governments and bureaucrats, like, but that's that, not what we're here for. That definitely goes back to those Arthurian mythos movies, which are so often about that kind of clash between pre-Christian religion and magic and paganism versus this kind of idea of how a civilized society has to include uh you know one god and going to church and and this like clash between the two it's it's hard to do i kind of don't like those ones i think i think i think when there's christian stuff in there like when well it's just a different it's a different story structure it makes me feel like i'm not in a fantasy land i'm in some like fucking Biblical epic, which I mean, are feel like fantasy movies. A there's, lot of those old some crossover. Yeah, there's yeah, definitely yeah. some crossover. That was when God still did magic. Yeah, God was fucking <laughs> laying down some fire. But anyway, not to uh, not to throw a little more serious topic uh, into the mix. No, throw it. But, uh, um, I think one of the reasons why Sorceress is good, uh, and according to Jack Hill, who directed it, he wrote the movie. But according to you know, the credits, it says that Jim Wynorski wrote it. For some reason, Jack Hill directed it under a pseudonym. So 
And I think there's a, a few questions that could be asked about who Lots wrote, who of wrote questions. it. These movies, even though Roger Ebert might be like, oh, well, it was just written by a 13-year-old boy. Roger Ebert's um, jackass. But these movies have strong female characters. And it's one of those things where like, yeah, there's probably some problematic uh, things uh, if you're a female viewer. But then it's like, what other movies do you get to see like women chopping dudes heads off? And, you know, that's why I loved these so much as a kid was because so many of the fantasy books I was reading, it was like, oh, maybe there's a cool female sorcerer or a cool queen character. But for the most part, a sassy mistress. Yes. But for the most part, they're very much discussed as like the male characters are like, how is it possible that this woman can do things outside of the kitchen Mm -hmm. or yeah, or like even the series called the Belgariad that I've read a million times, like the most powerful, most interesting female character is still has all these scenes where she sews people's clothes and she cooks Mm -hmm. people dinner. And it's like supposed to be a cover so that people don't know that she's this sorcerer, but it's still like Jesus Christ. Whereas in these movies, you have Sandal Bergman who's shown to be a warrior of equal prowess as Conan. Mm -hmm. And, it just it's so nice to have that balance. And then you get Grace Jones in the sequel. Oh. Yeah. Who like I, I think she like broke one of Wilt Chamberlain's like fingers or something like that. That's she definitely what I've heard. She definitely injured someone on set. She's a warrior in real life yeah. now. She still is. She's she's touring right yeah. now. Yeah. And I know I keep like saying uh fantasy movie titties, but the thing is that I love about these movies is like the dudes. They are. They have titties too. They, they are, have titties, they do. and they <laughs> are just as naked up, for the and most they are, part. Yeah, like uh, I think it might have been Beastmaster, where what he was wearing was nothing. Like it was, he was. It was the like, shortest. Come on, skirt Beastmaster, in the movie. put a put a t shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, I guess he wouldn't wear an animal pelt. That that would be crossing uh, the line. But, but when you were saying how like there is like the empowering aspect of like these fucking ladies just being equally strong and beating the shit out of people and swinging swords, and almost every single one of these movies has a character like this, even yeah. Willow. But most of the time, they have their titties dumped out for half the movie. But it doesn't really like bother me or because so well, do the dudes like the dudes are like yeah. there's not a lot of clothes in general no you're either you're either wearing a loincloth or, or like a, a 10 robe. pound yeah. dress I mean, yeah. so they're called fantasy <laughs> or, movies or a ton saying. of armor and sometimes my favorite are the movies where they have people wearing like strategic sexy armor that would have no actual effectiveness in battle it just looks cool what was the what was the one we watched with sean connery as the green knight Sword of the Valiant. Yeah. I so that one's which got has, some cool soft focus stuff yeah, too. And yeah, also yeah. has Miles O'Keefe from uh yeah, yeah. Ator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't talked about any of those. No. Movies. So I haven't seen Ator. <laughs> I haven't seen that one that's like Yog or Yor. Yor. There's also Gore, which has Oliver. Yeah, Reed. we could talk about Gore's canon films. Uh that's a bit later in the eighties. That's 80s. another kind of time travel-y one. Yes, it's yeah, it's it starts off in modern times and the, the guy's like a computer whiz or something. He actually gets like it's zip, Urbano zip, Barberini from uh, from Demons and Argeno's yeah. opera. Who's like all of a sudden on a different planet fighting, <laughs> fighting all fighting, over uh, Reed f- and Jack Palance. Have either of you seen uh, it's called Angmar in the Iron Age? <laughs> no, wait, no. you just made that up. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Wait. I thought I could sneak one in. Wait, did you really just make it up? Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. Angmar in the Iron Age. But okay. Angmar Fucking Birdman. God damn, you couldn't let me run with that Go, for a minute. Going, but, yeah, but I, no. I mentioned Korgoth of Barbaria when we were talking earlier, and Charles was like, That's not that a real exist. title. You made that but, up. But it makes me think of earlier in the episode when you brought up the Warrior Queen tape. Like, it reminds me of Jalo films in a way where it's like so many of these, especially the cheaper later 80s ones, they're like, all right, if we could get a sick poster and a great title, who cares what mm-hmm. the actual movie is like? Don't get murdered this weekend. See two for the price of one. An ungodly human monster with paralyzing needles. His victims in the black belly of the tarantula. And the weekend murders. The butler's body was the first body they found. You'll never believe where they found the others. In the weekend murders. The black belly of the tarantula. The weekend murders. A who done it and a what did it? Sam, I know you hate doing this. What is your favorite sword and sorcery movie from the 1980s? So I'll I'll narrow it down ever so slightly, so that way you don't have to say Hercules in the Haunted World, which I'm sure you probably would. You say. don't have to say Call the Conqueror. Or I, Call the Conqueror. I would never say Call the Conqueror. <laughs> it's a great um, movie. This is really difficult for me, more difficult than normal, because I just have such a like childhood association with fantasy and especially sword and sorcery movies you can pick the one that was your favorite when you were a kid that may not be as good as like conan the barbarian but like i love conan i love Beastmaster, i love conquest but i feel like i probably would have to say highlander because i grew up watching it a fucking million times my grandmother and i watched every single episode of the highlander tv show together we owned this gigantic vhs like well how do you feel about set series what about the quickening um highlander 2 you mean oh yeah the last time i watched it was with michael it's the power went out the power went we watched, out. Yeah, watched so many Highlander movies that the <laughs> I yeah. forgot about. We, we that. had our own end game that there was day. a South we Philly did. blackout. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we went into the final. Yeah, Mario dimension. Van Peebles showed up, and the the power company was like, "All right, this is enough. Yeah, <laughs> we're done." When here. I was when I was a kid, I. Uh, I never heard of Highlander until Highlander Endgame was like coming oh, out. No. And I was like, holy shit, there's a fourth movie in a series I never heard of. I know everything. I'm eight. I rented all of the Highlander movies and I like begged my mom for like weeks. I'm like, listen, I'm a huge Highlander fan now. You know, this things are like really different. <laughs> I'm a huge Highlander fan for days now. Yeah. And <laughs> which is a long time when you're eight. <laughs> oh my God. It's like <laughs> half the fair. time that you've been alive. <laughs> and I'm like, please, please, please. This movie's rated R. I know it's rated R. But you have to take me. I have to see it. It's just sword fighting. It's just sword fighting. There might be a booby, but I mean, it's mostly just sword fighting. It's fine. I can see it. And she agreed to take me. And was mad. Yeah, she hated it. I loved it. I thought Endgame was like the best in the series. I was watching it in a movie theater and I was a child. Is that... um? Which, I think which one is Endgame? That one's the one that brings the guy from the TV show. Okay, so it has it yeah. has Connor and it has uh, Duncan. Yeah, <laughs> you guys get it right. Y'all are the real nerds. <laughs> yeah, that, that one, that one, you definitely like need to be a Highlander super fan to even like 
understand oh, what the I, hell I, is that, going that's on. That's the one where yeah, it has Adrian Paul and Christopher. Yeah, Ray. I didn't I didn't know what was going on when I was a kid. I just loved it. Yeah, yeah I didn't I was figure it out there. until I was a little bit older. But the only reason that my grandmother liked watching the Highlander TV show is because she thought Adrian Paul was really hot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, so you don't like this? I was there for the story. Oh, fighting. yeah. You're, you're there for the story, but grandma's there for what fucking matters. Well, and I also was like, is the Kurgan going to show up? The Kurgan's got to show up at some point, right? He and has of course, to. the Kurgan d- no. doesn't show up in the show. No, he's too busy getting that Mr. Krabs paycheck. <laughs> did, you, also, did you know that there's another sequel after Highlander Endgame? No. Is there? Mm-hmm. There's an animated one, no. right? There's another live action movie that is Christopher Lambert Liss. Okay. Well, and it's Adrian Paul and Highlander the Source. Well, that was basically oh. well, that's like a TV movie. No, that's like fucking made movie. for USA. It was bullshit. released in like Germany as Highlander 5. They yeah. release everything in Germany as Highlander 5. They love Highlander in Germany. They do. But wait, also you have to let me give a runner up which is Krull, which we haven't Krull, mentioned yeah. at all. Which Krull is kind of a sci-fi fantasy. It's like it's sort of what you were saying about Star Wars, where it's a fantasy. It's fantasy tropes with sci-fi trappings. Like yeah, it's got, on and it's got Liam Neeson, planet. right? Qui-Gon Jinn himself. Excalibur. Yeah, really young Liam Neeson. Oh, yeah, Excalibur. Yeah, yeah. Excalibur had a stacked cast. It also it has a, uh, yeah, Nicole Williamson. My favorite angry Irishman, Gabriel Byrne. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, he's pretty young in that. I served him a cappuccino at a no a, a bakery that I worked at in New York. Was he wearing a suit of armor? Yeah, I think he was wearing a suit, but like no oh, tie. Damn. And he was reading like a pink newspaper. I think it was like the Financial Times. And he didn't leave me a tip. So, I mean, the guy's a great actor, but, you, you know. Did you tell him how much he liked Cool World? <laughs> oh, my God. I think at the time I was like, dude, ghost ship. You're the ghost ship guy, aren't you, dude? Yo, I know you. You're in ghost ship. Uh, all right, Michael. I want to throw the, uh, the rude question to you on the spot. What's your favorite sword and sorcery movie from the 1980s? I don't know. I mean, uh. I think Conquest would be up there. Let me look. Let me look at my notes real quick. I got some of the major players right in front of me. Uh, I mean, Deathstalker Two is eighty-seven, so that still counts. Yeah, Honestly, I can't wait there's to not watch a that. lot of things that are as fun as Deathstalker Two. I would agree with that. Um, it's so good. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, Fire and Ice is amazing. I'm I'm wearing a Frank Frazetta T-shirt right now. Is that Ralph Bakshi? Yeah, but him and Frank Frazetta did it. Who's Frank Frazetta? He's like the other... There's Bars Vallejo and Frank Frazetta. Oh, they're the guys that do all the cover art. When you see artwork that looks like this, it's usually either the two of them or it's someone someone ripping off one of them. them. Isn't there a Frank Frazetta museum not too far from here? There's one in PA. I have not been there. I've heard Uh, it's great. Yeah, I've heard good things. I guess he used to live... uh, Yeah. I think it's the house he used to live in. I think I turned it into a museum. I think it's near the Mahoning Drive-In, actually, or like kind of on the way. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I love the Roger Corman ones. You know, uh, I th- I think in general I'm a bit more of like a fantasy guy than a sci-fi guy, but you know I like both of those things a lot. I think I like the Roger Corman sci-fi movies a bit more than the fantasy movies. Like I w- I throw down with all the Alien ripoffs. You know, what, like, what's oh yeah, those are fucking awesome. Those are so good. They're so fun. I love Alien Two, the Italian one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. Contamination? No, it's not no. Alien Contamination. I remember. They played Alien Contamination at wow. one of the, wow. the horror films. It just makes that's that it. fucking it's an Easter noise. movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, I know. It's, it's, it's a rude question. It's, it's your not, favorite it's, is. It doesn't even count, but I'm going to say Death Sport. Death Sport? Isn't that the movie where say Death Sport. Jean-Claude Van Damme kicks people? No, it's... That's Bloodsport. <laughs> no, Death Sport is kind of a sequel to Death Race. It's apocalyptic, right? Okay. Well, a lot yeah, of... but it, it's... it's it, 
If if they were riding horses instead of motorcycles, then it would be sort of sword so and sorcery. Almost every post-apocalyptic movie feels like a fantasy movie or, or a sword and sorcery movie. Yeah. But this is my theory. Filtered if, through Mad Max. But no, if they didn't have the budget to get horses and to get everyone wearing the same style of costume. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, what a, they, that's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. So if they couldn't afford that, they were like, okay, you wear fucking, you know, what do we have in the red and blue today? 3D glasses and some spike helmets and you wear fucking football pads. Mm. Oh, we got one horse. Great. Get it in here. You got a motorcycle. Cool. You're, you're only here for a day. Okay. Great. We, like, and that's what that's what a, a post-apocalyptic movie looks like. It looks like a fantasy movie that they were like, okay, we can't afford all this shit, so let's just fucking move all this. Which you know? means we have to at least acknowledge that we watched She. Oh, She was awesome. It was incredible. Yeah. From 1984. Yes, thank you so much for bringing that over. Sandal Bergman is one of my favorites. Yeah. Oh, that w- it was just like delirious, you know? Like, like it was a kitchen sink movie to a T where yeah, like 10 movies thrown into a blender. Which, that's the way. So every one of the low budget ones, the ones that I like are the ones that like do something crazy every 10 minutes. Yeah, and that's like, she. Uh, what was the one we watched a movie oh my gosh oh no it was conquest okay so conquest is my yeah, favorite. conquest also feels like it's, you're watching six different movies it, it is it have yeah. you ever seen um the hot rock it's, i don't think it's so. a 70s heist movie with um not steve mcqueen uh paul not paul newman um <laughs> some fucking dickhead that looks like one of those guys but is not either of those guys uh i think it's the guy that's like in all the political thriller movies he's got a face robert redford robert redford, robert redford. i was what? getting there hang on don't don't hang on let me let me, let me get this out what? so, you, so you, you shouldn't have said that but you're right <laughs> <laughs> so the hot rock what the hot rocks gimmick is it's a great fucking movie but what it does is is every single 20 minutes there's another heist they have and then like crazy yeah so every 20 minutes there's another heist scene and then they keep doing it and so it like never runs out of steam because you're constantly moving into a new heist and the reason why conquest is so fucking good and it is the goat is because it doesn't really have a main plot it's like all the side quests you get in a video game Mm -hmm. yeah but it's it's them doing a new side quest every 15 minutes new boss battle exactly like and it keeps doing different shit where it's like oh no you're hurt i need to go to this island and get a a plant oh now you're hurt i need to get the sword out of the fucking thing it's also all about good it's also to me the best part of it well, there are a lot of best parts. It's it's about, it's about it's about this hot guy who's like, I don't have friends. My friends are animals. That's it. And then there's this other hot guy who's like, Do you want to rub some things on my wounds? Maybe yeah. we could be friends. And at the end, he's like, Fine. Uh, it's so nice. <laughs> uh, Conquest is is so much fucking fun. It also has some genuinely scary scenes. Yeah, Lucio with- Fulci is just doing it. He's he's so good. He's the best. I. It's very hard, as anyone who has listened to our show before knows, for me to pick a single favor, but Conquest is definitely up there for me as well. Yeah. Oh man. And yeah. Watch if you if you're listening and you have not watched Conquest, do it. You gotta you gotta see this flick. It rocks. Get the Blue Underground DVD. Do what you gotta do. Has anyone put it out on Blu-ray? I don't think so. I'm surprised. Blue Underground seems to be like re-releasing a lot of stuff and putting it in 4K. So I don't think it's gotten like it might have got a European Blu-ray. 
but I still have the uh, you know the twenty year old DVD. Yeah, I think the the one that I had there was a lot. They clearly didn't clean up the print. Yeah, yeah. but but I mean in the sense where like they didn't run it through their like fucking it was probably, vacuum it was cleaner probably, like, thing. Hard to though, they probably like didn't realize scenes were dirty. They're like, I can't tell if this is fog or if this is. Dirty. Yeah, it was it was great because it felt like I was watching a film print. You know, exactly because yeah. there was a hair on on <laughs> yeah. the frame for like a whole scene and yeah. and but it started moving up and it was like like someone was like pulling it off or something it just it it was great i i, I love that. that stuff an act of courage to conquer the queen of darkness they faced the armies of evil to win the weapons of light. Feel the power. Accept the challenge of conquest. So, about ten years and five months ago today, I did my first ever themed series for my old blog. And this is what got me into a disciplined writing practice where I would write every single day. This even is a if it's satanic was, pandemonium. Yeah, this was for my old blog. And I I just like I don't know why, but I decided to start doing this with sword and sorcery movies. And I said to myself, like, there's no possible because I read that Stephen King book on writing, which I don't even like Stephen King yeah, really. But as the, a the thesis writer. was is that like if you want to be you a writer have to write every single every day. day. Yeah. And I, I thought, surely not. No one can do that except for rich people who have time to dick around. And then I was like, wait a minute. Let's like put on your big boy pants and watch some sword and sorcery movies. Yeah. And so I, I made all these rules about what I was going to include and what I wasn't so that it would help me like narrow the list down. And I wrote about 30 sword and sorcery movies yeah. in December of 2012. And it was like the most fun I had ever had. That was like around the time that we first met. And I remember you were watching all those movies and I was like, I can't. You're like, it. what is this shit? No, I was like, I was like, why are you watching this crap? These movies are boring, you know. Like, oh, they're just like corny. And then I read your review for Deathstalker, and you you mentioned Deathstalker too in that review. And like the next day, because I was like, I would see you once a week at like some metal DJ night at this fucking bar where you could smoke cigs. That's what I. That's why I went like good there. Old, the good old days. Good old days. Yeah. I was like excited to see you that week, so I'm gonna be like, yo. Tell me about Deathstalker. Like, what is this <laughs> Deathstalker stuff? And now, you know, 10 years later, I finally uh, watched Here the Here we are movie. talking Here about Deathstalker. Still talking about Deathstalker, folks. It was so nice, though, because it, like, it made me realize the I loved your old blog. scope. I miss it. It was so cool. It's nice to be able it's to do... It's still there. Do, yeah. It's oh still there. God. A lot <laughs> of the links are broken. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I, I just... I read the, um, the the Sword and the Sorcerer one before we watched it. Yeah. Some of the links lead directly to porn. Because reason... you were talking about Joe D'Amato and it's just got a... <laughs> yeah, there's there's too many... Uh... But the, any of the links that pointed it, to that domain, yeah. they somehow now but go to But what's so porn. cool is like playing uh, this like dangerous game where I'm trying to read a, an old Sam review for like, I don't know, an animal tax, like Orca or something. And it's like, am I going to get the review or am I going to get some porn here? <laughs> you know, it's kind of fun. I wish that we could talk about this for 12 hours. We'll have to can have I, you. Wait, can I talk about the Conan TV show real quick? Oh, yeah. I, I sort of I talked about the Beastmaster oh, yeah. show instead. We got, we got, yeah. OK, so I got to I got to I got to bring up I got to bring up the IMDb real quick because just the amount of people who are involved in this are absolutely nuts. So 
I was saying that, you know, uh, Sam Raimi produced Hercules and Xena somehow. Which uh, my mind was blown when I realized that later in my teenage years. It's, it makes sense. And not just because like Bruce Campbell shows up either. And but, his uh, brother uh, is all over it. Oh, yeah. Ted's yeah, Ted. all in there. Yeah. Get that wiggly guy. I was I guess I was going to watch like Conan the Barbarian or I've only been watching sword and sorcery stuff on Tubi. So my recommended list is like all sword and sorcery yeah. movies. And it was like Conan. And I was like, oh, but wait, it's different. You know, and then I was like, oh, wait, there's a Conan TV show from 1997. So instead of being produced by Sam Raimi, it's produced by Brian Yuzna, which oh, is man. even more bizarre, <laughs> even more bizarre. Oh, man. I imagine someone like approached Brian Yuzna and not the other way around. But wait, honestly, mean, I have no idea. You mean the man who made uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 5 yeah. is trying to cash in on another <laughs> thing? Well, <laughs> do you remember? Uh, so remember who else is? Wait, did, is that the one that he made? A four or five. I he don't made- know. Three? No. Four? He made, he made the one with Clint Howard and the bugs. Yes, yeah, he, he made, made the, the one that one. was not written as a Silent Night. I, I was Deadly about to Night start movie. talking about Mickey Rooney, and I was like, wait a minute, was that, Mickey Rooney? That He's the toy maker, right? That's the other one. That's the last one. But okay. I fucking, I don't fucking know. <laughs> so if there's a Conan TV show, you're probably thinking, well, who could be Conan if it's not Arnold? It's Ralph Moeller. Who's, who's Ralph Moeller? He's one of Arnold's friends. He's also a big bodybuilder. He was Mr. Universe before. He's in big movies like, uh, what's the Van Damme one with Dolph Lundgren? He's in Universal Soldier. He's in. He's one of the gladiators in Gladiator, like the Ridley Scott movie. And, I must have. Uh, I, I tried to Google the guy, but I must have spelled his name wrong because I just have this Ralph, like Ralph with an F. Oh, what the fuck? It's the German, German spelling. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he he doesn't he doesn't try to do an Arnold impression or anything, which is probably for the better. He he can do like the noises pretty well. Like the, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I know this guy. Oh, he's actually he's a perfect fucking TV show Arnold. He looks like TV Arnold. So, um, in in the first episode, it's like you know he meets a woman and he hangs out at her village for a while because like some dudes are trying to kill Conan, and her dad is Mickey Rooney. And Whoa. I feel like I feel like they were just like, who's the tiniest character actor we could get? You know, they were, <laughs> yeah. they were literally like, who can we make look really tiny next to Ralph Muller? And, you know, spoiler alert, uh, they kill they kill Mickey Rooney with a battle axe. That's, that's like worth the price of admission. There you uh, go. But the the craziest <laughs> thing I was like the after I saw Brian Yesno, the credits were just like blowing my mind. And one of the credits said. And and featuring the image of Richard Burton as Crom. <laughs> the you know, image? You, normally you hear like featuring the voice of blah, 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 if they're not actually in it. So the whole time I'm watching this episode and I'm like, is, Yo, is there just going to be a picture of Richard Burton? And there's going to be like, he's our guy. Yeah, they're going to do the, like, the Conan O'Brien out. skit where they have a picture of Schwarzenegger and some guy's going, wow. But so you know, the pilot's 45 minutes long i think all the episodes might be 45 minutes long i'm like 44 minutes into it and i'm like what where's richard burton like, did, i was like did i did i miss it you know you blinked and conan starts talking to his sword and and a 3d face like a, a 3d computer generated richard burton face starts talking like he comes out of the sword and starts talking to conan as crom so Richard Burton wow. is Crom, but it's not really his voice. They just like, is the... Oh, wow. So and it truly I, I was honestly, just the image I, I tried to of Google, Richard Burton. I tried to Google it, like, so I could, like, know what I was getting into. And I don't remember the band, but apparently some band has a song called Featuring the Image of <laughs> Richard Burton as Crom. Oh, man. But yeah, I will I will probably watch more of it. But the first episode was pretty awesome. Yeah. It's funny. Usually when we're doing an episode, I like go nuts and like watch as much shit as I can. Mm-hmm. 
and then like after that i'm ready to move on to the next thing i feel just like want to keep watching sword and sorcery in, movies yeah yeah, yeah so yeah, I, didn't, I didn't have too much time to prepare but i'm glad we got to at least yeah talk but about, you've seen you know, all of these well, yeah, yeah that's why that's why we wanted you wong it's like yeah you've, i was hoping you'd have me on for like uli lomal day or, or oh we will we will definitely dave, dave dakota yeah. day or something oh my god but, we will have you back for but, both of those things but albert pion and jim winorski are definitely two of my favorites and you know Winorski is he's got like three of the big sword and sorcery movies from the 80s. What's Winorski's stuff? He wrote Sorceress. Okay. He wrote uh Deathstalker 2. He wrote Beastmaster 2. Well, all I know about him is he's like the titty guy. He Yeah, well he uh, he definitely was obsessed with Russ Meyer. Uh he okay. even used to date Raven De La Croix. Did he really? Yeah. Um and she's in his first movie. What was the Winorski movie that we watched Swamp Thing 2? Return of the Swamp. That I love. Yeah, yeah. yeah mm. great. It's so good. He wrote a lot they br- of sequels. They bring back Louis Jordan, even though he dies in the first <laughs> yeah. movie. But yeah, uh, coincidentally, Albert Pyun and Jim Wynorski worked on a movie together. And it is a like borderline softcore porn movie starring Master P and, and, a, <laughs> you know, and a bunch of like exotic dancer looking women. Uh, and it's uh, not worth checking out. But most, most other Jim Wynorski. <laughs> What's and that Pyun one called? It's, I brought it. It's called Bad Business with a Z. Bad business. It's got the Master P's got a, a grill on the front of it. What's Master P's favorite fruit? Banana. <laughs> All right. Well, that is actually the perfect place to leave things for today. Uh, I want to shout out our favorite zine making artist from Athens, Georgia, Mr. Klon Waldrop, who has a new zine out right now on the legendary director, producer, and all-around cult film king, Roger Corman. Uh, I'm hyped to get that in. Uh, yeah, we love Klon. Can I, uh, can I plug the movie? I'm yes, on please. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... Uh, I always y'all, forget you're a filmmaker. Y'all listeners out there, if you're familiar with the previous Twitch of the Death Nerve episodes, the uh, 24-hour horror marathon one, that featured Josh Christensen, who was the star of our first movie, and he's also in our new movie. Uh, but basically, during the pandemic, we made a little SOV movie about richard chase who is a crazy serial killer he was a serial killer who was probably because of paranoid schizophrenia he probably wasn't actually like an evil person but he had you know he thought he had to drink blood so he's kind of like a real life vampire dude we basically like took a lot of that story and kind of put him in a different setting put him in a heavy metal setting yeah you can you can watch that on amazon prime and we're gonna be putting out blood sick psychosis we're gonna be putting out the blu-ray we're re-releasing the blu-ray in a couple months and lunch meat vhs is gonna put it out pretty soon the new movie is called a corpse for christmas and it's kind of similar territory where most of it is based on true crime serial killer stuff um and this one is about doug clark and carol bundy these are the kind of serial killers where they're not crazy they're just like terrible people right after we made the movie i read a book about them that like the lawyers and stuff wrote um and it's the kind of thing where like I'm surprised no one's made a movie about them, but I'm also surprised no one's made a movie about the trial because Doug Clark represented himself in the Whoa. trial and he would literally, like, it went on for so long. There are yeah. amazing Law and Order Special Victims Unit episodes with the serial killer or serial rapist representing themselves mm-hmm. and it's always like, how does this happen in real life? It's like so, yeah, we, we Mr. Took Smith to, goes to Washington. <laughs> we, we, we took we took the Doug Clark, Carol Bundy story and made it a little like... Uh, a nice little Christmas movie. A Christmas movie, movie that kind of is like the last few weeks of you know before they get caught kind of thing nice and when will this come out closer to christmas i assume uh, no it's gonna be coming out in july we're gonna be christmas doing christmas in july, in july. there yeah. you go so, uh it's gonna play at philomoca it's probably gonna play in baltimore 
It's going to play at the Spectacle in New York. Oh, sick. We love the Spectacle. We love the Spectacle. Uh, it's going to play somewhere in Kansas, and we might even get a Chicago date, too. Cool. Um, but yeah, uh, in July, that'll be out. You could... You know, look. You can watch the trailer on YouTube, or you can search. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll put links right. in, in the in the show notes for sure. Cool. Yeah, oh, and if you yeah. live in a city where you think you might want a screening of a cool SOV horror Christmas movie, hit us up, and we will put you in touch with Michael and. Bruce. Oh, and also, uh, Ossuary Angel is in the movie. Who was in the Angel, our, one of our yeah, guests the, for the necrophilia episode. And our movie is about necrophilia. That episode got the most downloads of anything we've done. Our necrophilia episode. Everybody loves to talk about it. <laughs> and Angel's probably going to be heavily featured in the artwork. So awesome. the poster art. How about you, Sam? Anything to shout out? Shout out, shout out the, the Patreon, Sam. So speaking of series that I did for my old blog, I'm kind of reviving that for my Patreon, which also has all of our happy hour episodes. Our episodes come out early on there, but right now I'm doing a Jean-Luc Godard series. I'm also doing a series where I'm turning my World War II book about art house cinema made in the years after the war into a series of audiobook chapters. And I'm having honestly such a good time with it that it reminds me of what I did with my old blog. And so I probably will revisit some of those old series on there in the future as well. Yeah, I'm hyped. You've been fucking doing tons of shit on there. And it's been great. I love doing it. And we're probably going to crack open this uh, bottle of George Dickel and then record a happy hour. So uh, stick around and find us find us over there. Great having you on the show, Mike. Yeah, thank you, you so fucking much. Rock. We I would have you. you every fucking episode. This was fun. Thanks for having me. Same. And I, I'm, uh, it sucks that John John isn't here anymore. Where did he? Where he he's in Austin. We miss our he boys lives so another much. Planet now. Yeah, yeah, Back yeah. Back to his home planet. He's, he's, he's with Cole right <laughs> yeah, now. He's with Liam Neeson. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you later, everybody. Bye.